Hello and welcome to Why Does This Keep Happening to Me? Today I'm talking to one of our therapists at Delray Psych and Wellness, Danielle Reynolds. She is a therapist that uses a holistic treatment approach. She uses mindfulness-based stress reduction, and she offers treatment to individuals experiencing anxiety and depression, as well as uh, postpartum support and support for grief and loss. So welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much, Dr. Bethalo. It's great to be invited to be as a guest on uh, this awesome upcoming um, or newly released rather podcast. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for agreeing to come on. Um, So we, Danielle and I were talking recently about being recovering drama queens or recovered, (laughs) (laughs) recovered drama queens. Yeah. Recovered. (laughs) <laughs> recovered. Yeah. And, um, and as I was reading up about this before you and I spoke, I had stumbled upon an article called neat um, that, that there's a therapist psychologist that is studying this. And he actually has come up with a new, new personality type called the need for personality type NFD. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like as, as an individual who has like a quote unquote, then personality disorder, you know, like you're always like, as a therapist, you're like, nothing is ever wrong with me. Like I can't have a personality disorder if I'm going to be a therapist, but I love it. I love that. It's like, of maybe be diagnosed. <laughs> I know. Right. Well, and it's, we're in remission, I guess you could right. say, right? <laughs> so, um, so, but the thing about these personality types, as I was reading about it, it sounded a lot about what you and I were talking about. And um, some of the criteria was um, feeling like you're a victim and feeling like life is happening to you. And um, that there's this kind of like chaos around you and being, but, you know, also um, inflicting crises and always being the one that has quote unquote crazy things happening to you and, um, you know, not knowing how all of these crazy things just happen to you. And so how you and I talked about that we, our lives years ago, uh, revolved around these perceived crises that would come into our lives without our control and how in a moment or, you know, realizing how we were actually bringing these upon ourselves and how we decided to change that. So, so I was wondering if you could describe, we can discuss about your life and what it used to look like. Oh, I don't know if we have enough time. Oh my God. It's so, yeah. So like, I mean, going back, I would say, you know, when I started to be able to make my own decisions for myself, like as a young adult, um, you know, even back in high school and early college, it was just like, I would be in situations like, for example, I was at a party one time and we drove the golf, the golf cart into the pond. And I just remember getting out of the pond and being like, oh, my God, how did this happen to me? Like, this wasn't my fault, you know, and it was just it was just event after event after event. And I mean, like I was in college, I think it was my junior year. I moved four. I got kicked out of four 
got kicked out of four different apartments. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, it's not my fault. There's, you know, I had every excuse like, oh, you're too loud. Oh, you know, you're, I mean, like, like one yeah. after the other, like nobody gets kicked out of four different apartments if there's not something wrong with them. Right. That somehow, you know, it's, right. that's the other part of this is that there's always this external locus of control. Like it's none of your doing, of course. Right. No. And I had every excuse, like, you know, my mother came down, like bless her soul. She helped me move every single time. And she's just like, your life is so full of drama. And I'm like, well, it's not me. And she's like, she looked at me like squirt in the eye. And she's like, yes, it is. Like you, <laughs> you love this. She even like said like, you must love this. Mm-hmm. And I like, that was the moment that like, it hit me that I was like, oh, this is a me problem. Right. It's not yeah. like a them problem because for the longest time I was like, oh, you know, my friends are just crazy. And like, I thought it was like a them thing, you know, mm-hmm. like, no, I got kicked out because I was like fighting with a like crazy boyfriend at the time. Like I left the cabinets on the kitchen doors open all the time. And like my roommates couldn't stand that. It's just like the stupidest things. Right. Right. Like for me, it showed up more as like relationships, not just relationships with men, but relationships with my friends. And, and it did actually feel like it was just happening to me, but that, what you just said, um, like, you know, when your mom looked you in the face and said, you know, you, I think you like this or you're creating this. I realized that for myself because I was like, but I am choosing to have these individuals in my life that yes. are full of drama. And the mm-hmm. reason I'm choosing to have these people in my life that are full of drama is because I think that's okay. And in some ways they're mirroring me. Otherwise it wouldn't belong in my life. Exactly. You know, and so like, uh, I always thought that I was different, you know, like that I was the cool, calm and collected person. Mm-hmm. No way. There's no way that I could have been cool, calm and collected with these individuals as friends. That would just be such polar opposites. So. Right. Right. I mean, and it it always showed up as relationships. It was like dating a very, um, I don't want to call them out on public air, but yeah, just a very poor fit. Yes. Yes. Full of like, um, I don't know, I guess tumultuousness is a good word. (laughs) (laughs) You know, let's just say, uh, for lack of better words, um, I don't know. I don't even want to say abuse, but we'll just bore Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. So then when you said that there was like a moment, that's, I think, was maybe <sighs> helpful for people is because I, I bet there's people listening. There's a person listening right now that's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly my life. But it's not my fault. It's not my fault. And so what was the moment that you realized that? like you were choosing it or allowing it. And how did you change that? Oh, it took me a while from recognizing mm-hmm. that I was choosing it because when it first hit me, like, um, you must like this. I was like, no, I don't like who, who would like this? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you have that moment of recognition but it takes a moment for that recognition to change um, to something like that you can choose behaviorally. 
Right. So I remember for a while I got really quiet um, afterwards and I just basically dis- like distanced myself from all of these friends because I was like, if this is something that I'm choosing, like I don't even know as a young 20 year old, you know, like in my early 20s, how to even change this because nobody teaches you that. There's right. no like, written manual in your young 20s of like, oh, all my friends are crazy. <laughs> you know, how right. do I different friends, right? So then yeah. it, you know, I said it took me a while to set set in that like I'm the one. Um and it like I would probably say it was like a year to two years. Um but it really started me on my own spiritual journey mm-hmm. to discover, you know, in that midst of quiet, like how do I start to form a relationship to a healthy version of myself? What does a healthier version of myself even look like? You know, like, how do you achieve that when everything around you for the longest time that you knew was just chaos? Right. Right. And then you start recognizing the pattern. And I think that what happens is the pattern gets more and more um, apparent. Like, it's bigger and bigger. It's like, I think Oprah said this. It's like, you know, you'll get hit in the head and then eventually you'll mm-hmm. just get knocked down with a pile of bricks. Right. Yeah. Or or like Ariana Huffington said that, she was working herself to, to death and then she collapsed from fatigue and broke, you know, she broke, I think her, her cheekbone and she just, when she hit oh the ground God. and, and so at one point, at some point, I think you get to it where you're like literally breaking your face. <laughs> you can't, you're like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and that's, yeah. And that's the moment I think where you're broken open and then you realize you sit, you have to sit still, right? And just that's what I mean. That quiet, it's that sitting still to recognize. And I don't know if people can, um, like, do you know what I mean by like sitting still or just like really getting quiet with yourself? I think that that's a hard thing to, to describe to a person until mm-hmm. they go through their own metamorphosis of change. Right. Yeah. And so um, for me, um, getting quiet, I was able to achieve that um, through a meditation um, and yoga practice that I started to develop on my own. I mean, I always heard about yoga. I heard of meditations and, or excuse me, meditation. And I thought that was like, you know, something for those, you know, quote unquote, like hippies. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, what is that? You know? Um, but I was in uh, my victory lap at Ohio state. We'll just call it victory lap. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I started, I like, picked up a secondary um, major and I was like, oh, this sounds like fun. So I took a lot of like yoga theory and development classes and it was so restorative for Mm -hmm. my soul because I went from having a chaotic life to just basically being by myself and like loving it, Mm -hmm. getting really quiet. But there are still a lot of moments, you know, where like you quote unquote relapse yeah, because it's so familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I I think though it's kind of like when we talk about in therapy the neural pathways that you that we have these like well developed habits these grooves in our brain that we keep recreating and repeating and then it takes it takes you know twenty one days to create a new neural pathway a new pattern but it doesn't really feel quote unquote normal until it becomes a habit you do it over and over and over again. And, yeah. and so I think like, you know, what you're describing when you start being still and changing that pattern and eventually after 
several weeks or months, it's that new being still and being reflective becomes your new normal. And then when that drama comes your way, it starts to feel abnormal all of a sudden. Right. That's how well, it's for me. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I have to say that I recognize about when it comes back is when I'm conflict avoidant. Mm-hmm. And so for the longest time, I thought being conflict avoidant meant truly avoiding conflicts. Right. But I think the opposite of, of conflict avoidant is drama because you're not making your needs known. You know, you're not practicing intentional communication. Right. That's true. That's what Gloria Steinem says that too. She says, when you're avoiding uh, uh, conflict, that's, that's when it comes to you. You know, that exactly. you can't just walk around avoiding conflict because then you're essentially avoiding being authentic. Yes. And when, like, so when someone says, oh, you're so dramatic, you try to grab at straws and, you know, what is the opposite? Like when you're trying to change your life because, oh, I don't want to be, you know, a drama queen. Well, then I'm just going to be really quiet and I'm not going to say anything. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not being authentic at all to yourself. Right. Right. And so you have to find that, that middle line say like, what is intentional communication and how do I practice that? And I have to tell you, ever since I learned what that was, like nonviolent communication, it has been addictive to me to just to be able to practice it and to make myself known and to make my needs, you know, stated and and to really achieve that validation. And it doesn't mean that, go ahead. I'm sorry. How did you learn that? How did you learn nonviolent communication? Was that through your yoga practice or how did that come to you? Yeah, it's, um, so Dr. Beaker Prince, I just want to give you a shout out. Thank you so much. I was mm-hmm. in fifth year um, in university and uh, she, you know, I, I took this um, complementary and alternative medicine as a, as a secondary um, major in, in college. And that was one of the classes that I took. And I was mm-hmm. like, this sounds really woe or like woo rather. Yeah. And uh, I just... And it's like using the I statements. It's you, it's reflecting on communication. Like, what do you really need instead of what are you doing to that person? Or what does that person do for you? Like, what do you need out of the situation? So um, I learned it in, you know, like one of my classes in college. And then I was so inspired. I did a, a seminar through the nonviolent um, communication program, which was super cool. Mm-hmm. That is going to that, then that just brought on more and more and more. Yeah. It like made me thirsty for more. And how do I use this? And, um, and so for some individuals, people will be like, oh, you're so assertive. And as Mm. a woman, you know, as a woman to be assertive is like, you know, I could go on like a whole nother tangent about that, but Right. Yeah. About how assertiveness is equal to being a bitch, but it's yeah, not it's just being assertive. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, I I'm, I'm assertive. Like that doesn't mean that I'm a bitch. It just means that like, I'm, you know, I need to make my needs known instead of being non-communicative about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that way my, it doesn't turn into this like big dramatic presentation. I can just be like, no, no, thanks. Like, that's not what I need right now. Right. Like no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think too, we oftentimes people come to this um, 
this new place in their life by hitting rock bottom. And I think like for me, I had just come out of a second engagement. I was super depressed. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just, like you said, I just sat still and I connected to what I felt like were angels because I just felt guided, um, to, I don't know, to just sit and be quiet, be still. And I ended up at this retreat center in Arizona for like five days. And I just felt like all of a sudden, like, I guess what Buddhists say, I just felt detached to the to outcome. I felt detached to making anyone happy or disappointing someone, or how is this going to look, or what are they going to say, or what am I going to do? You know, just detached and just being, just being still. And, and all of a sudden it just opened up that the answer was that, you know, just to be authentic and to just, like you said, state what you need. And if, and, and you don't have to, you're not there to make anyone happy or to fulfill someone else's opinion of what you should be doing or should be saying, or, sh- you know, or any of it, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. It doesn't. As long as you're authentic to yourself, that's what matters. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if, if you could offer words of advice to someone who finds themselves constantly surrounded by drama, what do you, what would you say to that person? I guess listening right now. Absolutely. I think a lot of it, um, as we've kind of touched on is that authentic piece, that level of authenticity that I think a lot of us are not attached to in our lives because we are so attached to superficial statuses, you know, like whether it's, um, you know, through social media or whether it's through having like a hundred best friends, I think we get so connected and so attached to what that means. And you are willing to go along with anything that has to happen in order for you to achieve that status. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and I have to say, honestly, like it was one of the things that I thought gave me power was to be, you know, amongst like a large group of friends and just being able to have all these wild, crazy stories. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I can't, it got me like in so many different, like bad situations. Like, you know, I don't want to get into like my, my rap sheet, but uh. yeah, (laughs) I know. know. Uh, (laughs) Just finding that's why like this podcast is called why does it keep happening to me? So it's like when you find yourself saying that to yourself a lot, that's the time you stop, right? Like, why does this keep happening to me? Right. Like that another police officer, you know, (laughs) I swear it wasn't my fault. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Right. And then like, once they like recognize you, you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that I hit this football player in the head with a beer bottle. It wasn't my fault. Right. (laughs) Like, right. Sorry, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Yeah. And this connects back to the, so the last show I did was on beliefs and it was about how we all walk around carrying beliefs and that we're not really not aware because our internal monologue is just going on day after day. And there it's mostly 80% of it is mostly recycled thoughts. So we're not really paying attention, but, um, but when we notice things that are happening in our life, we can 
figure out what our beliefs are and that they're guiding us and they're guiding us to selectively attend to the information around us. They're guiding us to selectively allow people and situations into our life. And, and so when that belief starts to change, that's when the circumstances start to change. Like, I think that's the deep change, right? If, if you believe that, oh, these things keep happening to me and drama follows me, and then that's what's going to happen because that's what you're attending to. Yes, absolutely. Right. And kind of along the same vein, it was like, um, you know, I believed that it was, it wasn't me. It was the circumstance around me. Um, however, you know, when my mom like looked me square in the face and was like, you must like this. I was like, mm-hmm. there's no effing way that anybody would really like this. Like who loves to have to move out of an apartment in the middle of, you know, um, your finals, like, no, thanks. This sounds like hell. Right. But, you know, once you, once you discover that it's a you problem, then there's mm-hmm. only room for change. You can either stay the same and have the same things keep happening to you, or you can say, okay, this is a me problem. What do I need to do? Like, I need to get really authentic with what it is. And it must be that these friends and me are not, you know, are not meant to be together. And it has to be that I have to change who I am. And it probably will look like these friends are probably not going to choose to be my friend after that. Right. Yeah. Or if they do, you know, they're going to have to have a different version of who I am as a friend and they have to be able to accept that. Right. Yeah. And that's the, the belief part. So it's like, if you decide all of a sudden that this familiar feeling that keeps coming my way, I'm no longer going to allow that in, then the, the next person. So I always say like, um, I used to date the same person with a different pair of pants, right? right <laughs> exactly. Different name, different pair of pants, same person. Right? <laughs> I know, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Just like, yeah. oh, it's the same thing's happening, you know? And it's like beating your head. Right. The- You're like, oh, I know this game. I've been here before. And so I know the rules. But then it's like when you want to change the rules and you want to change your pattern, you want to change your behavior you don't have the rule book. And so you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. But I think that's when you know you're on the right path because it's not familiar anymore. And so then I remember like after this life-changing thing in Arizona where I went, I was 33, um, I'm 45 now. So it's like feeling very, like it feels very foreign to me to be that way anymore. It's like, because I've been doing this for this long, but it's like, I remember coming back and being like anything that reminds me in any way of my previous relationships, friendships, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just going to not allow that into my life. And so it was like those little tiny red flags that would pop up. They would say something or do something where I would feel a certain way. And I'd be like, oh, I know this. I know this really well. And it might not have even been anything, quote unquote, bad or wrong. It was just familiar. And so it became where I was like, that's familiar. I know that. And I'm not letting that in anymore. And so miraculously overnight after 33, none of those drama people came into my life again. (laughs) Exactly. But you know, life might also have looked a little bit different for you. You might have, you know, felt a little bit excluded or isolated because you had to make different choices. Like the friends that were serving you as friends may not 
you know, those friendships may no longer serve you. Yeah. It's that familiarity that got you to that place of essential isolation. Yeah. And it is very isolating and it is very, um, you know, people say this about when they have a spiritual awakening that it's very lonely because you look around and all of the people that you were surrounded with are no longer there. And you realize that in order to continue to grow, you have to keep moving without all of those people most of the time. Correct. And it doesn't mean that um, for me, like there are still moments where I'm like, oh, I would have loved to still have had these friends because it, you know, it adds to that friend bank that like, you know, we all mm-hmm. keep invisible tallies on. Um, but I have to say now that like the friends that I keep and that I carry and that I hold value mm-hmm. with in, they are the friends who allow me to be the healthy version that I've worked so hard to be. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then if you, the, the more you walk in your new path, have you noticed that when you're around some of those old friends, how foreign it feels? It's it just, almost absolutely. It feels like you're on the version of a relapse. Yes. It's almost like I have to protect myself because it's contagious or something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Right. right. So yeah. I still feel a little fresh or fragile. So I've been like trying to, um, stay on this side of it. Mm-hmm. Because we are energy and our energy affects you. We all, all of our energy affects each other around us. And, and so also like, if you're not resonating at the same frequency as someone around you, you're probably not going to attract, but if they're around you and it's familiar, it's kind of scary. Cause you're like, Oh, I don't want to be affected. I don't want to like, you know, like the energy vampires where you leave a place and you feel depleted and yes, you recognize absolutely. what that is, right? So then it's like, well, why am I going to put myself around that anymore? Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree. You're articulating it perfectly. Um, and I, I really hope for, you know, people that are out there listening that, you know, this can resonate with them too. And that like, if you are one of those individuals who you're just like, it's not, you know, it's me, it's them. It's like, pause for a second and take a look at yourself. Because, you know, like, you know, one of my teachers um, who, like, practices, you know, karmic energy, she said, like, good things happen to good people. Mm -hmm. And she says, it's not just good things, it's good energy. Right. Yeah. That's true. the, The energy that you're putting out is the energy that you're going to get back. Yes. And if the energy you're putting out is... Um, you know, chaotic, that's the energy you're going to get back. And that goes back to what you were saying when you sat still and and you were, you know, just not moving and moving and moving um, and you're just reflecting, then you start to attract more of that. Yep. That peace, that, that quiet, Uh you know, that contentment as opposed to the chaos. Yeah. Oh, perfectly stated. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So that was really helpful. I'm so glad you came on to talk about this. And I think we'll probably do more podcasts together because we have so many stories. <laughs> I know. I, know I, I promise I won't out all of my, you know, old friends from the time, but, uh, they shall remain, I know. they shall remain unnamed. Right. <laughs> You know who you are. <laughs> I promise I won't. I won't out us for that one night. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's been sealed by now. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on and thank you for listening. And uh, I want to say that this podcast is brought to you by Delray Psych and Wellness. We are a private practice in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. And I hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.